Welcome to another edition of Lodging On Demand. In this episode, Lodging Editor-in-Chief Dennis Nessler brings together three longtime research experts to discuss their projections for the year ahead. Amanda Height of STR, Rachel Rothman of CBRE, and JP Ford of Lodging Econometrics weigh in on key industry fundamentals, current economic conditions, and the hotel pipeline within the U.S., among other things. Nestler, Editor-in-Chief of Lodging Magazine. Welcome to 2024 and our first Lodging on Demand. We have three preeminent uh, research experts with us today to talk a little bit about the upcoming year and what they see ahead for the industry. Um, first, we have Amanda Height, President of STR. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Uh, JP Ford, Senior VP, Lodging Econometrics. How you doing, JP? Hi, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. How you doing? Good. And Rachel Rothman, Head of Hotels Research for CBRE Hotels. Hello. Um, before we get going on 2024, I did want to kind of talk just very briefly about 2023 and what you guys, uh, what your takeaway was from the year, kind of what you expected going in and, and kind of how you think it ended up. Um, Amanda, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, I think it, it's ended up, it ended up stronger than what we had expected as we went into the year. Um, but about how we expected, you know, where we where we missed the forecast and where the industry ended up doing better was on the right side. So that's always a positive. Um, certainly in the last several months of the year, back half of the year with demand, um, we had occupancy negative for several months there, and, but rate was able to carry us. So we were able to end still with really strong growth bar growth. Yeah, great. Um, Rachel, from your perspective, what do you see? Um, I guess I would say that it appears as though the year will be slightly softer than we expected initially, but if I was going to think about what was most surprising is that the macroeconomic environment was much stronger than we thought. And despite that fact, um, RevPAR is going to come in shy of our initial expectations, but really the strength in the macroeconomic economy, um, the strength in the consumer's willingness to travel and spend, um, I think has really just shown that there is demand for, for lodging. It's just that domestic U.S. hotels maybe got a little bit less share than, than we would have thought initially. Yeah, interesting. JP, what do you guys see from a construction standpoint? Um, you know, with, with interest rates on the rise throughout most of uh, 22, um, it's kind of what we thought it would be. Um, you know, we have a situation where we have, you know, Quite a few projects that are really at the back end of the pipeline. A lot of projects that are in the start in the next 12 months phase, a lot of projects that are in early planning, where a lot of those developers are really waiting for interest rates, number one, to settle, uh, um, to stop increasing, and, um, you know, come down a little bit. Uh, and the under construction stage has been relatively uh, the same over the past several quarters. So um, I'm thinking that in 2024, as uh, things begin to change a little bit, uh, we'll see uh, those numbers change as well. Mm -hmm. Anybody have any thoughts on on the macroeconomic, um, I guess, conditions and and kind of what they see ahead? Of what you know, JP referenced in interest rates, and I think Rachel, you talked a little bit about how it was actually it was a little bit better. We've talked. <laughs> 
you've heard a lot about a, a potential recession, but it seems to be we've avoided that so far. Any other thoughts in terms of, of kind of where we're headed from a macroeconomic standpoint? I mean, I can share CBRE's house view. I am, you know, I report into the global chief economist. I am not the, the chief economist, but they're looking for a, a slowdown, but not necessarily a recession. Um, so they're expecting the first two quarters of the year to see slower growth um, than we did in the back half of this year, but not actually a contraction in GDP. And they're looking for interest rates to begin declining over the summer um, and expecting three rate co cuts over 2024. Um, I'd love just to piggyback on what JP said, you know, one thing that to me was super interesting about this year, and I know this doesn't necessarily immediately translate into new openings or projects in the pipeline, but just once again, the number of new brands announced, mm. um, I find that fascinating at, at this point in the cycle. And I'd love to hear what everybody thinks that means about growth going forward, right? Because we already, think there are a lot of brands, right? And now we're there getting- are. The, the focus on conversion brands also, which we haven't seen in years, but to, to know, you know, some of the brands came out with new brands focused on this is conversion brand. It's, has been, um, I think, speaks to the economic environment where it's really hard uh, for people to go build new hotels. Uh, yeah. um, go ahead, JP. I, I, would, I would agree with that too. It is hard to build new hotels. Um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, there um, we saw a lot of owners beginning to think about, um, you know, with my current brand, where am I going? And what are they going to ask me to do by way of uh, renovations? And what's that going to cost? And what the, what's the outlook? So it was, it was a very difficult equation for a lot of owners. Um, and a lot of them did decide to uh, convert. And, uh, you know, since probably the fourth quarter of 21, the conversion and announced renovation pipeline has really taken off. We got about uh, just a little over 1,900 projects that are uh, in the process of converting or are going to convert and um, combine that 19 renovations into that figure as well. So. So a lot of renovation going on, a lot of conversions. Um, and as Amanda said, you know, we, we have the conversion brands now. So um, that's another um, topic um, or another consideration that owners have. Um, let's shift gears a little bit, talk about some of the fundamentals. Amanda, what are you seeing? Um, what, what are, I guess, what are the latest projections from STR for RevPAR, occupancy, ADR uh, for 2024? Yeah, we, we, revised our forecast in November of, of 23, and we haven't changed our outlook significantly for 24. So we were anticipating, we worked with tourism economics for our macroeconomic forecast. We've been anticipating a slowdown um, in GDP. Uh, Oxford economics is not calling for a recession now. Very similar, I think, to most of the economists. Um, the view is slowing economic environment, not a recession. So we have RevPAR growth for 24, just over 4% for the year. Um, and it's really tied to GDP growth. We, we expect the first half of the year of 24 to be slower. So we actually expect a continued negative occupancy growth in the first quarter. So all of our RevPAR growth is gonna come from rate driven in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, we'll start to see occupancy gains and that will strengthen over the course of the year. 
Um, but certainly the bulk of the growth in 24 is going to come from ADR growth. Right. So our ADR growth rate is um, 3% for 24 okay. and occupancy at 1%. And and demand? Um, you know, I don't have the demand number right in front of me, but it's we expect demand in 24 to get back to where we were in 2019. So okay. we'll finally reach the 2019 demand level in 24. Right. And supply, I would think, is lower. So that's probably. Yes. Right. Yeah. right now, supply is 0.6%. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, exactly. it'll be at one or just under 1%. I mean, you can't ask for a better position when you have a slowing economy that we don't have. I know it's if you're a developer, it's not good, but to not have a lot of new supply certainly helps our um, occupancy declines that we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rachel, how, how about CBRE? Is it, are your outlook similar? Uh, we're looking for 3% RevPAR growth okay. next year. I think similar to what Amanda said, though, um, you know, in the first quarter, we're going to have the very difficult comparisons that were caused by the easy Omicron comparisons, right? So they sort of stack on top of each other. So I think we will start off the first half of the year slower. I think the other thing that people are looking for is a recovery or continued improvement in inbound international travel. And that tends to be more focused over the summer travel season. So when we get away from the difficult comparisons in the first quarter and then begin to see um, continued improvement in international inbound, that should lift over the summer months and we should see stronger rev par growth then. So in terms of seasonality, maybe 3% for the full year, but first quarter a little bit weaker, stronger over the summer, and then you know somewhere in between in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I know one of the things that you guys uh, pointed to in, in your recent report was that uh, China and Japan in particular were going to um, see a little bit of a spike from in inbound travel from, from those regions, right? That's what we would hope. Um, traditionally, it's taken about at least a year to add back long-haul flights and then their visa delays. Um, if there was a counterpoint to that, it would be the macroeconomic situation or slowdown in China. And so I think we're sort of the count point counterpoint is like, yeah, there's strong interest and strong demand is the macroeconomic environment in China such that we're going to see as a full recovery in 24 or could it take another year into 2025? Our current view is that it will take two more years, 24 and 25 to fully recover, but, um, you know, it's it's open for debate for sure. Yeah, I completely, we completely agree about that, especially as related to China. You know, just the, the constraints on airlift out of China right now, and then the economic picture in China. I think if we, if anyone's banking on that to come back next year fully, um, that I don't think that will happen. I agree with Rachel's view of it's going to take a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say we have uh, perhaps a little more of a of an aggressive view on um, on. Um, new supply increase. We're looking probably at about 1.1% for year-end 23 and somewhere around 1.3% in 2024. Uh, the, the pipeline, as I stated earlier, is really backloaded. And I think with some of the things that the Fed has come out and announced uh, recently about, you know, uh, They've essentially said by saying that they're going to looking at interest rate decreases over 24, um, they're signaling softly 
that we're kind of done raising rates. Mm. Okay. All right. So I think from a developer's perspective, that's very encouraging. Right. So we think that the development community is what we like to say, getting ready to get ready. Okay. <laughs> and uh, um, in talking with some lenders, some of the lenders um, have also heard from the development community that interest rates where they are right now, they may come down a little bit, but we're in this type of environment where uh, we're not going back to the interest rates that we saw over the last few years anytime soon. So if you're a developer, that's your game, that's your model, you're going to find a way to make the numbers work and um, you're going to develop at some time. Timing is going to be critical. Um, but, um, you know, with the Fed signaling and, and uh, softening their stance a little bit, that's all good news to the development community. So um, that's kind of where we're at for probably year end 23 and year end 24. But there, you know, beyond the interest rates, there are other issues right now in construction, right? I mean, costs to construction costs are still uh, pretty high. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Costs are high. Uh, Labor is still a little bit of an issue. Um, so you have that lingering effect mm -hmm. uh, from the past few years. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, is, is that one of the things that I've noticed over the course of many, many years is there always is a little bit of uncertainty in an election year. Mm. And that's where we're at. And um, in some cases, it's um, um, causes people not to act uh, until there's some clear direction of where the country is going and where the economy is going. So um, although we're a little, uh, optimistic on 2024, uh, we'll find and see pockets and talk to people where uh, they may still be in a little bit of a waiting game. Any other thoughts on the, on an election year on on what that might uh, what that might mean? <laughs> um, Amanda, I think generally it's positive. Um, I'm just, I'm going to have to go back to gosh, we analyze this. I feel I mean probably every four years we start talking about this. Um, so I'll go back and look at it. I don't have you know a specific number that we feel like it it gives a lift or anything to, but I think generally as you look back over um, certainly my time in the industry, election years are positive. I mean, people are traveling. Yeah. Um, Rachel, one of the things that, that your report kind of highlighted was um, a projected increase in, in RevPAR for urban markets. Um, what do you see there? What's what's driving that? Well, first they lagged, right? The um, resorts came out first in the recovery from the pandemic. And then if I think if we were to focus on which markets would benefit the most from this recovery in inbound international visitation, they're largely urban destinations. You know, sure, people do go to the Grand Canyon, but if we were just to play a numbers game, um, I think markets like New York, um, San Diego, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, I think those would be areas that would um, see a benefit from that. And so I think that's what's driving um, that's what's driving that component of the forecast, really, is just the drivers, people coming hopefully next summer. Yeah. And just to piggyback on what Amanda said about the election, and this is more of a human comment than, you know, specifically, what does it mean for 
the forecast because like Amanda, I'd have to go back and run some analysis. But um, I just feel like every time you turn on the TV, whichever side of any argument you're on, they're all saying how horrible everything is. And I just don't feel like that's great for the consumer. You know, all the all the candidates, everyone out there has a vested interest in telling us how bad everything is currently mm -hmm. and how everyone else is wrong. And I just think that that um, if there was something that was going to give me pause about the consumer, it would be that we're now going to hear that 24 by 7, 365 on social media, you know, regardless of you know, I don't want to say I'm apolitical, but I'm not the most political person. But anywhere you go, everybody has a strong opinion on how we need to change 800 things and how wrong everything is. And I just, I don't think that's a great, let's go spend a lot of money feeling. Yeah, I, I Rachel, I, I'd have to agree with you. Um, yeah, when you say that, and I too would have to go back and run the numbers and, and see how things were in an election year. But I'm I'm going a lot by mental recall here. And uh, four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, 16 years ago, uh, and granted, economic conditions were a lot different going back each of those four years. But um, when you when you have a lot of negativity out there and you're reading it and seeing it all the time, um, you know, some of that works into your head. And really what it says to you is gives a lot of people the cautious tone, the cautious environment. And do I really want to go spend that thousand dollars or that $2,000? So um, I understand that. I see that. Uh, I think we're going to, we're in that a little bit and uh, we will be, you know, fully ramped up here uh, into elections in late first quarter, early second quarter. So um, I understand that as well. Yeah. That's where I think the job market's super important. You know, it's as long as the job market holds up um, the way it's sort of expected to, at least people, no matter the rhetoric, are employed. And if they're not losing the job and they can rely on their employment, then we know where they like to spend money when they do spend money. And that's in travel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a huge psychological component, uh, obviously. And you know, uh, you know, I know Wall Street's been been up a little bit of late, so hopefully that's uh, a sign, a good indicator of, of things to come for everybody. Um, how about business travel, uh, Amanda? What are you seeing there? Uh, you know, it's been a slow, you know, since COVID, a real slow, um, you know, return for business travel. Uh, it, it, you see it continuing to gain momentum in twenty four. Yeah, I think it's you know that single business traveler. We're still very much tied to the work from home, hybrid flexibility model, you know, in a lot of cities, offices are empty. That's still very much a driver of people aren't traveling as much as a single business traveler for business. Your people aren't in the office, so you're not making sales calls in the same way. Um, it's It has improved throughout the fall, so it has gotten better. Certainly on the group business travel side, things are great. We had a really strong fall for group business, but I think we're still going to have that push and pull of people aren't in the office. Um, and we're, we're still sitting at, you know, 50% occupancy rate in most office spaces across the country in major cities. So that will continue to be, I mean, it's sort of just 
the way of life for us that we're, you know, it's the change in, in, in how we work. And I think hotels have adapted really well. And there's been some positive uplift on the group business side because of this hybrid work. You know, there are more companies doing group meetings, bringing teams together. And you hear that from hotel operators a lot that it's a different kind of business that they're going after. I think as Amanda said, right, we didn't need Blackstone to acquire Cvent to to see that there's a theme there, but it's nice that her data does demonstrate that clearly as well. No question. No question. Um, how about in terms of segments? Um, what are you guys seeing, if anything, in terms of any any particular segments that are really um, outperforming? I know extended stay has been one that's that's just been um, very hot the last couple of years. Um, any comments on extended stay or any other segments for that matter? Um, I, I, I think um, extended stay development is, is very strong. I expect that to continue. Um, it is um, it really came about as, uh, as, as COVID worked its way through. Um, and um, I, like I said, I, I expect that to continue. I would just say one other thing to consider is at least historically in some price points in extended stay, there's been a strong relationship between rents and multifamily housing and ADR growth and REPPAR growth in extended stay. And now that we've had um, a proliferation of multifamily building, right? And some of those, I don't wanna call it an oversupply because I'm not a multifamily expert, but um, there was a tremendous amount of building in, in multifamily leading into the increasing interest rates. And it will be interesting to see how that, how the, moderation of rent growth plays out with respect to the ability of extended stay properties to drive rate and rev par. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a pressure. I think, a pop, you know, the when you look at demand, especially like over the last six months, as we saw demand every month either be flat or slightly negative, um, the area where demand has been growing so overall, we have, yes, flat to negative demand growth. But when you look at the segments, it is in that upscale, upper mid-scale, up, upper upscale, those, those segments and luxury where demand has been growing, we've actually seen demand declining in economy and mid-scale, um, which is interesting since some of the extended stays that's there in economy. But you know, we do still have good demand growth and this year, it well, in 23, where we saw that demand growing was in the upper part of the segments and it's in the top 25 markets. So we saw a shift in 23 where demand was going into the top 25 markets, the other markets not doing as well. Um, so it certainly is a return to the urban core centers and, and that's proved out in the numbers over the course of 23. As we move into 24, you know, we expect the growth to be in those same segments. Um, we we do expect to have positive rev par growth across the board for every segment in 24, but economy and mid-scale will be, you know, just slightly positive, mm -hmm. whereas the other segments will be much stronger. Okay. Well, we're just about out of time. I, I just want to kind of get some final thoughts from you guys. Um, maybe end on a positive note. Um minute or less, what do you, what's the one thing that, uh, that the industry has going for it going into 24? Uh, one thing that we can feel good about, um, you know, industry-wide going into the year. Um, Rachel, you want to start? 
consumers want to spend. <clears throat> Hotel, short-term rentals, cruise lines, Vegas, Europe, Mexico, all-inclusive, handbags, you name it, the consumers out in full force. All right, great. JP? Uh, I agree with that. Uh, everybody loves to travel. Um, I look for that to continue. Um, no one's given up their vacations. Uh, people are using it. Uh, they're going to continue to use it, and they're going to continue to extract as much vacation time from their employers as they can. And um, that's where they're going to be spending their money. So I think that bodes very, very well uh, for the uh, for the economy going forward. The other thing I think we're going to see here sometime in January, later January, February, is I'm looking for a um, pretty positive um, upward adjustment in new project announcements in the fourth quarter. Um, that seems to be the quarter every year um, where all the franchise companies sign their deals, pay out their bonuses, um, and get those deals done before year end, you know, with the hopes that those developers can get their shovels in the ground uh, in the spring. So um, looking forward to seeing those numbers as well in the next few weeks. Yeah, that sounds good. Amanda. I agree with, with JP and Rachel, you know, it is certainly travel. I think as I close out the year and move into 24, I was really worried about this environment where we had negative occupancy growth and we were dependent on ADR growth for all of our rep car gains. I would say we've lived a quarter with it um, and done really well. It's, we've got another quarter to go and then we've got some really good runway for the rest of 24 with some some nice growth rates. So so don't freak out in the first quarter. Hold on, keep doing what you're doing and we're going to have a really positive 24. All right, very good. So hang in there. Well, thank you so much, all of you, for your for your insights today and uh, happy new year. And I look forward to seeing you uh, out, and, out and about at the uh, various events. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Lodging On Demand. If you want more content like this, subscribe to Lodging Magazine on YouTube. You can also subscribe to Lodging On Demand wherever you get your podcasts. For news and updates, follow at Lodging Magazine on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Or visit us at lodgingmagazine.com.